Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Good morning. So ironically, as, as fate would have it, Graham and I had a little communication gap this morning. So, there you go. Secrets of effective communication. It was pretty funny. So, I, um, you know, I knew I was speaking today, and I, Graham has some things he needs to do during second service, and I'll be staying, so we're driving separately. That's fine. As I go out the door, he goes, I'm right behind you. Okay, sounds good. I get to church, touch base with Mark. Hey, Mark, who's emceeing today? I thought Graham was emceeing today. Oh, well, he, he, maybe that's what he meant by him, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just one of those moments of, like, Clearly there was a gap there, not a big deal, but I was like, don't panic, Mark, it's probably okay, that's probably what he meant. But I thought it was really, really ironic, seeing as I'm supposed to be telling you and how to effectively communicate, just to say that we all can learn and grow together, and that actually most problems in a relationship, any relationship, it doesn't have to be a marriage relationship, most problems in any relationship are based on miscommunication. If you really draw back, if you really go back to the, to the start of where it happened, usually it was just a misunderstanding or something that wasn't communicated well. So we're going to just talk this morning about how to kind of work on this, but start with some humor. Batman and Robin here, right? Robin, this isn't what I meant, right? A Batmobile instead of the cool car, right? How about, uh, it is really confusing. So the guy on the left is saying there's four. And the guy on the right saying, oh, there's three. And look at it from each of their perspectives, yeah. right? It does look like there's four or there's three. So I, don't, I still can't figure out how that works. Yeah. yeah. Okay, or how about this one? Toilet out of order. Please use floor below. <laughs> when I want to be the janitor in that. Yeah. Okay. And finally, uh, when you asked if you'd like a little company, I didn't expect you to start trying to sell me your dry cleaning business. <laughs> so you can see here, these are all pretty innocent things, but clearly there would be some conflict of interest there, right? Batman is not happy with Robin when he gave him the cash to go get his Batmobile, right? <laughs> but it was an honest, you know, it's an honest interpretation. So just to say that, you know, relationships are fraught with um, miscommunication, and there's ways that we can improve our response in those times, and we can actually improve how we communicate ourselves. And so that's what we're going to cover. It's all very much looking at our side of the picture. So relationships are tricky, any relationship, because it requires a level of vulnerability, right? You can never control that other person, and that's a little scary. So in, in these relationships, we have to do our part. It's 100% our responsibility to do our part which is 100% of it. It seems ironic, but it's true. And the other person is also 100% responsible, but you can't control them, so we're just focusing on you. And you know, in the Bible, we read a lot about these things about you need to love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. That's in Romans. And in Philippians, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Okay, so... What's that telling us? What that's telling us is that God has to remind us to do that. Yeah. So that suggests that that's not necessarily our first thing that we're going to do, because we have this thing called the flesh. I don't know, maybe I just have the flesh, but 
Um, lots of scripture about controlling the flesh and having self-control and how you really need to honor and prefer one another brotherly love, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just want to kind of challenge you a little bit. Again, this is meant to be for your personal self-reflection, not to think about someone else and how they do this. How about you? Um, nine motives that can compete with love. And so these are motives that can actually um, cause miscommunication and can cause us to not effectively love or prefer one another. So the first is revenge. So does it feel like it's actually your right to get even? Because that would take the place of intimacy. Or justice and fairness. Do you think it's your job to stand up for justice at the expense of intimacy? How about narcissism? Are you, do you feel superior to others and they're just there for your own manipulation? Clearly that's not going to go well in a relationship. Pride and shame. Again, intimacy requires vulnerability, so if you're always trying to cover up or hide something, you know, you're never going to be able to be open and vulnerable. Uh, scapegoating or blaming. So you're using an excuse for unhappiness or, or you're always blaming someone else because of their inadequacies. Anger and bitterness. Do you let the feeling of power and self-righteousness from anger or bitterness stand in the way of intimacy? Competition. Does your need to win stand in the way? And this is kind of a, I was reflecting on another thing. I'm just, I didn't really ask Grandma if I could share this, but <laughs> I think it'll be all right. <laughs> so um, when we first married, it, what was really fascinating is both of us we're always right. Always. We were both always right. And we agreed mutually that we were both always right. You can always be right. I can always be right. But by golly, one of us is more right. <laughs> and we're going to figure out who's more right in the situation. And so we kind of compete. You know, we had to win there and, and who was righter, you know, because there is a more right place to eat dinner. Not, no, there isn't, but right. And so we kind of had some squabbles about that. A hidden agenda. Do you have a hidden agenda that's blocking intimacy? So you're not telling someone else what you're really trying to accomplish. You know, you're just hoping that you can kind of get them along your little path. And finally, power and control. So is power or control over someone more important than intimacy? And really, if you think about it, all of these have to do with power and control, right? All of these put you in the driving seat. All of these say, I need my way because I don't want to be vulnerable or open or whatever. And again, this could apply in any relationship, right? This could be parent-child, this could be siblings, this could be friends, or this could be some kind of romantic relationship. It's, it's very applicable across the board. So, you know, this is where, again, we hear a lot about how we have self-control and we need to take control over the flesh. In 2 Timothy, it says, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And it's because, it's because, you know, God knows we have these things, right? We have all of these things that compete with our need um, to, to be vulnerable, that compete with, with us to actually be open and, and loving. And so this is just meant to be a challenge to say, you know, when you're in the middle of a conflict or situation or something that's tough, you know, do a little self-check. Like, what am, I, what am I trying to accomplish here? Because I'm doing something that's maybe not loving, Right? I'm doing something that puts me in control and I'm not fully trusting God with this relationship. Does that make sense? So this is it's a little tough, right? We all do this. It is tough. 
one of the things I really like to think about, and it's, this is hard to do when you're in the middle of a thing, right? Like something just happened, you're upset. Sometimes it's hard to back up. We've talked about perspective before. It's hard to back up and like and think about it. But what I like to think about is, what is my true end goal? Where am I really trying to get to? Like, what's my big picture accomplishment? And is what I'm about to do right now getting me to move towards that or away from that? Here's an example I read in one of my many trillions of books on communication. So there's a husband and wife. This is going to be a pretty typical scenario. Husband and wife, husband works. Wife's at home with the kids. You know, husband has a demanding job, trying to provide for his family. Comes home late, right? Doesn't call, doesn't text, whatever. So comes home late. Wife's a little ticked. Husband came home late. Why? Because she actually wants to spend time with him. Her big goal is I want to spend time with this person. This is usually why we get married. Usually you get married because you want to spend time with that person, right? So her big goal is I want to spend time with my husband or maybe I want him to also have time with the kids. Like I want a happy family, right? That's her big goal. But in the moment, she's ticked, right? He didn't call me, dinner's cold, whatever, inconvenience, I was supposed to go, millions of reasons. Is it right or wrong for her to be upset? You know what, it would be more respectful for him to let her know he's gonna be late, right? That's legit, it's legit to say, you know, I thought you were gonna be home at this time, you weren't, it'd just be helpful to know. But she has a choice in how she communicates that, right? So there's a pivotal moment here, and how am I gonna communicate this thing that happened. And in, the, in typical, in, in my story, and I think it's probably fairly typical, what happens? I'm gonna give him the silent treatment, right? Slam some doors, not gonna talk to him, gonna be grumpy around you, like I'm gonna show you how mad I am. Okay, did that get her closer to her end goal? What was her end goal? I wanna spend time with him, I wanna have a happy family, I wanna be, right? But her actions in the moment while they may have felt good, right? They felt like she was taking control or having power, actually moved her away from the big goal. Does that make good. sense? So in that case, that communication was not effective, right? Not effective at all. So that's what we're just looking at, is how do we take really simple situations and effectively communicate to move towards where we're trying to get to? Excellent. All right. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> End goal. End goal. Big goal. Like I said, it can be tough to do in the moment because, you know, emotions take over. Okay, so three simple things we're going to look at. It's called the ear checklist. You even got a little picture of an ear. I hope you remember this. Right? So we're going to look at good versus bad communication. There's three components that help make up really good communication. The first is active listening or empathy. So empathy, the E and ear, okay? Mm -hmm. The second is effective self-expression or assertiveness. Oh, this is exciting. So it's not just about listening. You do get a chance to say your piece. R is respect, caring or respect, okay? So the ear checklist is empathy, assertiveness, and respect. <coughs> We're gonna go into each of those more specifically. Yeah. <laughs> so when I'm talking about empathy and communication, you do want to try to see the world through the other person's eyes. So think about that picture we showed at the beginning with the logs, and there's four logs, or there's three logs, right? Mm -hmm. Now, from each person's perspective, they were absolutely correct. 
Now, if guy who was seeing four walked around and could see three, right, they would have come to understanding much more quickly. That's good. So this is the idea that if you can see the world through the other person's eyes, it's going to really help. You're also going to try to find some truth in what the other person is saying. You know, a lot of criticism is based on a nugget of truth. Kind of scary. Um, you know, and you want to also acknowledge what they're thinking and probably feel, feeling. You don't want to defend yourself or insist that the other person is wrong. Okay? So that's empathy. Assertiveness. You do want to express your feelings openly and freely. So none of this, what's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> Clearly something's wrong. Have you ever done that and the person decides to take you at face value? Right? What's wrong? Nothing. Okay, I'm gonna go do this. How dare you go do that? Clearly something's wrong, you know? <laughs> like, how unfair is that? <laughs> you also wanna use I feel statements. And we're gonna go into this in more detail, but there's a difference between saying, um, I feel upset and I feel like you are. <laughs> right? Suddenly that's a you statement and that's not what we're talking about. And under don't, don't use you statements. And don't hide your, um, feelings or act them out aggressively. Hmm. And finally, the, the R, respect. You always treat that other person with kindness, caring, and respect, despite how you may be feeling. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't give you the right to not act godly towards that other person. Right? There's a way to communicate difficult stuff to express your feelings, to say, you know what, I feel angry right now in a way that is, is really full of care and respect. It is possible to do that. It's a lot of self-control, right? But it's possible. You don't want to treat the other person in a condescending or adversarial or competitive way. So we're not trying to win or trying to get close, right? It's about relationship. Really so good. it's hard to have communication not in a relationship. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, you can. It's you talking to yourself, and then you can still get into arguments with yourself, which is really fascinating. In James, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And that's really what this is about. It's really about first really hearing what the other person is saying. So not just so you can repeat their words back to them, but that you get the gist of where they're coming from, right? Like you really hear what they're saying, and then you can respond appropriately. So uh, we have the ear checklist, which we'll go back to. There's a lot of common communication errors, and this can be a little discouraging, I think. A little bit discouraging when you think about, oh, there's a whole lot of ways I can really screw this up. <laughs> <laughs> God has a lot of grace, so that's good. That is good. <laughs> that is good. Um, but just to say, you know, a lot of us are probably going to fall into a few of these regularly. And so if you can identify which ones are your kind of go-to defense mechanisms, that can actually help you in the moment. You can help to recognize, oh, here I am doing that again. <laughs> should probably work on that. And that's the goal of this. This whole goal is how can you move from maybe you're a two on the communication, how can you get to three? Right? That's all we're trying to do, one step closer. Good. So if you can find a couple areas that you can work on and improve, you know what? You're going to see the fruit of that in your relationships, and it will be amazing. That's good. Uh, so the first is being right. I like being right. 
But again, it's not about who's more right or who's wrong. You know, it's about that relationship. Blaming, so it's someone else's fault. Defensiveness, I'll never admit that I was wrong, right? All of these things, if you think about it, anytime someone responds in one of these ways, what happens? It stops communication. Because the other person has, there's just no way, there's nowhere to go, right? You're just putting up a huge roadblock. So if the goal is to actually communicate, then you shouldn't do these things. If the goal is to never communicate, then here's your list. <laughs> Good to go, right? Um, put down using hurtful language. Martyrdom, you're the innocent victim of the other person. <laughs> Labeling, you just t you know start calling them names. Using sarcasm, I love sarcasm in the right moment, but within an argument is really hurtful. Right? Sarcasm can be hysterical, but it also can be just devastating. So you have to be careful with that. Counterattack. So you're going to criticize me, I'm going to criticize you, and we're going to have a good old criticizing battle. It's going to be great. Not going to get anywhere, but that'll be fun. Um, again, scapegoating, that's when the other person is, you consider them inadequate. So it's a little bit different than blaming. Do it. Oh, and there's more. Yay. <laughs> Maybe you didn't find yours on there. Maybe you're like, it's doing real good. <laughs> Got some more. Diversion. This is when you change the subject or you just start listing past grievances, right? Yeah. So, how does that move the conversation forward? It doesn't. Um, Self blame. That's when you act like you're so awful, awful and terrible that the other person can no longer criticize you, right? It's like, that's kind of how you're defending yourself. Hopelessness, you've tried everything, but nothing works. <laughs> Demanding, the other person should be this way. But you should be this way. It's not about me and my part. It's about how you should be. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Denial, it's not my problem. These are good. Helping and problem solving. These are um, kind of hand in hand. One is instead of listening, you give advice. That's helping. And problem solving is you're not really listening to the person's feelings. So maybe you did listen, but you're not taking into account their feelings. You're just trying to solve their problem. I'm going to give you six words that can change your life right here. Right? Someone's telling you something. You're like, I don't know what to say, so I'm just going to try to give them advice or help. Don't. Six words. That sounds hard. Tell me more. Mm. Oh my goodness. We're revolutionized. Do you know how many times there's time, like, I just need, I just need to talk this through. I just need someone else to tell me I'm not crazy. Right? Did this yesterday at work. I walked in some, or Friday at work. Walked in someone's office says, like, I'm going to tell you a story. I don't need you to do anything except tell me that I'm not crazy. That literally, that's all I want. I just want some affirmation that this thing happened and it was a little bit strange, right? Mm -hmm. I don't need you to help me figure this out. I don't need how to solve the problem right now. I just need to affirmation that I'm doing all right, <laughs> right? <laughs> that sounds hard, tell me more. Amazing, use that. Guys, husbands, definitely write that down. <laughs> Serious. <laughs> that sounds hard, tell me more. Right? Okay. And finally, mind reading. You expect the other person to know how you feel without having to tell him or her. You guys, this only happens in the movies. And even there, it doesn't happen well. Right? right? Like, we're not mind readers. I don't want to have to be a mind reader. 
it's not fair to make someone else be a mind reader. Nothing's wrong. No one can figure that out. No one can figure out what that means, right? You have to communicate. That's good. Okay, so I just told you about 27 things of how you can do it wrongly. So we're gonna move on to how we can actually do it right. Yay! Yay! All right. There's hope. We made it. There's hope. Okay, so there's uh, five secrets. I stole this right from a book, you guys, but it's really amazing. I, um, this is this book called Feeling Good Together, and it's about conflict and relationship, any relationship. Highly recommend it. It's really quite phenomenal. He gives lots of examples of real people employing these methods. But we're going to go through this. Um, there's three listening skills and two self-expression skills. And look, you even got pictures, so in case you're a visual learner, got you covered. There's disarming technique, empathy, and inquiry in the listening skills, and there is I feel statements and stroking in the self-expression skills. All of this is online in notes, so you can just refer to it to your heart's content later. In the disarming technique, you're going to find some truth in what the other person is saying, even if it seems totally unreasonable or unfair. Okay, so here's this little thing I wanna tell you. This is a complete paradox, because if you often disagree with another person's criticism, you become exactly what they're telling you you are when you disagree with it. So an example, if someone says, well, I could never agree with my wife when she says that I'm stubborn. <laughs> what just happened? He just became real stubborn, right? Yeah. So usually when there's a criticism, there's a little nugget of truth in there. So what you're trying to do is find that you're going to affirm that and move it forward, okay? So if someone says you're selfish, an appropriate response might be, you know, upon reflecting on the situation, you know what, you're right, I didn't take your feelings into account in the situation, can we start over? <laughs> so you're not saying like, yep, I'm 100% selfish all the time, I'm always gonna be this horrible person. What you're saying is you're right, in this specific situation, I didn't do it as well as I could have. Let's try again. And you see how quickly that will defuse the situation? Yeah. Right? But if you're like, I'm not selfish, then you're not hearing what that person is saying, and then you actually become selfish, and it just is this weird paradox. That's good. That's good. So, so yeah, the disarming technique. You're taking away their gun, right? You're taking away the thing that they're going to use to escalate the situation because you know what you're just going to agree with it yep mm -hmm. let's figure out let's figure this out okay empathy we talked about that a little bit putting yourself in the other person's shoes you can do this by thought empathy and feeling empathy so thought empathy is when you repeat back what they were saying not word for word not parroting if you do that it will get worse trust me <laughs> right <laughs> if you just start mimicking back the other person exactly what they said not going to go well but if you can communicate back what they've said in different words, showing that you've really understood it, guess what? They feel heard. That is the point. It's wonderful. And feeling empathy is acknowledging how the other person is probably feeling, given what they've said. So when you're repeating back at this, the thinking one, you could say, I think I just heard you say, blah, blah, blah. Is that correct? Or let me just tell you what I think I've heard. You know, something like that. And with the feeling empathy, you can say, um, based on what you just said, I imagine you're feeling X, Y, and Z. 
Is that right? You check for under, like, did I get that right? Right? And what that says, what you're communicating is, I care. I care, and I want to know more. That sounds hard. Tell me more. It's just a different way of saying that. Right? And then inquiry. This is the third listening skill. This is where you're kind of, you're just asking more questions. Now, it's not the inquisition. What were they wearing? What, what color were their shoes? Did they have glasses? You know, it's not that. It's more like, can you tell me more about that? Or how did you feel when that happened? Really open-ended, I care statements, right? If, anyone, if you're telling someone, if you're having a conversation with anybody and explaining something that just happened that you didn't enjoy, and they said, wow, how did that make you feel? Wouldn't that make you feel like they cared and that they heard you and that they wanted to develop this relationship, right? So that's what this is. All right, and self-expression skills. So using I feel statements, such as I feel angry, and not statements like you're wrong, <laughs> or you are making me angry. That's a really <laughs> fun one. <laughs> so here's the thing. The truth is nobody can make you do anything, including they can't make you feel a certain way. Right. You actually get to choose how you feel. Doesn't always seem like that, but it's actually true. And so in that sense of they did something and you actually chose to be angry. Now it's fair to say that you didn't enjoy what they just did, absolutely. If they just violated, you know, they did something wrong, they didn't live up. You know what I mean? You can address that, but you don't address it by you're making me do this thing. It's just not effective. We're talking about effectiveness. You can yeah, yeah. say that, absolutely, but it's just not effective. Good. All right. And finally, stroking. And this is where you just are finding something genuinely positive to say about the other person. We could really go on about this one for a long time, but the idea is just that you're genuine and you're going to diffuse the situation by saying something positive, even though you might feel really angry. Again, genuine is the most important part of this. It's not some fake flattery. It's not. Like, it's not a defense mechanism, I'm gonna get out of this. Genuine, right? Do you know how much love that shows when you can be really genuinely caring about someone in the midst of a conflict? That is Christ-like, right? That is absolutely Christ-like. All right, so the ear checklist, lots of things we can do wrong, lots of ways we can do it right. How can I apply this, right? Practical, I love, Homework, when it's not mine. <laughs> so this is, a, literally, this is a very, very, very practical way that you can put this into practice, and it's safe. Who likes safe? I like safe, right? Okay, so this is a way that you can practice this um, in the privacy of your own home. So the first thing is, you take a conflict, and it's easier to do this with... Um, a more simple relationship than one that's more fraught with difficulty when you're learning, right? So try this with some more simple, less emotionally tangled up issues at the start. So the first thing you're going to do is write down what that other person said. You know, whatever they said. Whatever, you're selfish. They accused you of being selfish, so they said you're selfish. And then write down exactly what you said next, the very next thing 
at the start of that conflict, right? So not, not a diatribe, not four pages. You're not going to rehash the whole thing. That is not helpful. What's the, what was the trigger? What was the very next thing you said? Okay? They're, those should be pretty short sentences, honestly. And then you're going to evaluate your response from step two against that ear checklist. That's good. Okay, so practically what does that mean? Okay, so you're going to say, when I said this, was it um, empathic? So did I acknowledge the other person's feelings and find truth in what they were saying, or didn't I? Right? And so you can give yourself a little plus or a little minus. What did you do? And then you're going to say, in my response, was I assertive? Did I express my feelings openly and directly? Or did I argue defensively and attack the other person? Right? Again, plus or minus. What did I do well? And maybe you did one of those and not the other. It was you're evaluating for what you did. And then finally you say, did I, was I respectful in my communication? When I responded back, was I respectful? And again, you're going to evaluate. So then you have this little picture, right? So what did you do? You wrote down what they said, you wrote down what you said, and now you've evaluated it. Okay? See how this is really about you and your communication and how you responded, right? It's good. It's That's not good. about that other person shouldn't have said that. Nope. You don't get to play there. It's just about you. Okay? Hey. Here's the big question. Now, what you said in step two, what you wrote down in step two, did that make the situation better or worse? That's really the heart of it. Did your response make the situation better or worse, and why? And most likely, if you had a whole bunch of pluses because of that ear checklist, it made it better. And if you had a whole bunch of minuses, it probably made it worse. And you can pretty directly correlate your pluses and minuses to the why. Okay? So it's no longer this mystery of, I don't know why it worked this time and it worked last time. This is like, there's been a lot of research on communication. <laughs> it's pretty solid stuff right here. And then, where's the press? So this is all just rehashing kind of what happened in some evaluation. And so the final step is, this is where you practice, you rewrite your response. Okay? So now you pretend like that person said that thing to you again, and you rewrite what you, I wish I would have said this instead. Like Groundhog Day, you get to do it over. You know that movie? And, you know, and then you go back and you reevaluate. And if that revised response still wasn't good, it's Groundhog Day again, and you do it again. Right? And this is how you practice, and it sounds sort of tedious, but the truth is, it will make it much more automatic in the situation. Because when your emotions are high, man, is it hard to be logical or practical or reasonable or any of those nice words. Right? But if you've practiced this, it becomes much easier. So it's kind of like, what if, what if you had a getaway car that was just a bike? But you've never <laughs> ridden a bike. And then you really need it to get away quickly. What's going to happen? You're not going to go anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. But say that you knew how to ride a bike. You've been riding a bike since you were two, right? I can ride a bike under any pressure situation, it's right? It's yeah. really easy. And so that's the idea of why you would practice this. And the reason why you do it, you know, in the privacy of your home when you're not emotionally charged, right? It's even pretty logical and, and, and you can practice it. And you know, it does, it does become 
much easier. And it does allow you in situations to say, wait a minute, does this get me towards my end goal or is this gonna get me away from my end goal? Or wait a minute, am I falling back on my typical defense mechanism that doesn't reflect the love of Christ? And do I need to change my approach? Right in the moment. And that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to move towards more Christ-like communication and just to be more effective. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Great. Woo! Woo!